It did go up pretty bad, but we couldn't get gas. That was the problem. Some analysts today, they say that we're looking at $6 a gallon gas by August 1st. The average price of regular grade gas by 33% over just two weeks. It's now $4.71 per gallon. That's an average across the nation. Now it's cheaper than that some places. And there's some $6 a gallon gas right now in places like Santa Barbara, California. That's according to Lundberg's survey. And this all comes as a bunch of analysts. It's not one or two are saying $6 a gallon gas by August. Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg survey said, I guess two or three days ago, that the price jump comes in the middle of higher crude oil cost and tight gasoline supplies. Nationwide, the highest gas for regular grade was in San Francisco, six twenty a gallon already. The lowest average, Tulsa, where they played the PGA yesterday, the PGA Championship, $3.92 a gallon. Other data from the AAA showed that in the week between May 16th and 23rd, the average price for a gallon of gas across the country was up 11 cents to 4.60. AAA said the current supply and demand dynamic combined with volatile crude oil prices will likely continue to keep upward pressure on pump prices. Now, I want to put that in your kind of quiver of things because we're going to come back. We're going to talk about four or five different things that are really making this president look bad and are really making you and I have to really think through what we're going to do this week. You know, those extracurricular activities because of the price of gas, which means the price at a restaurant goes up. Why? All those restaurant people live somewhere. They all have to drive to work. They all have to have cars and they have to buy gas. The food the raw food that is being prepared in the kitchen at these restaurants if we're going to go eat dinner. That food got transported. And oh, by the way, those people had to get to work. Then they had to gas up the 18-wheelers or the trains or however it's coming to your town and city. All of those people are paying extra. Interest rates are sliding up. Everything, everything is costing more. So we're having to rethink our planning. We're going to talk a little bit later in the show this morning about planning. Do you really think our president and his administration have planned the four years that he is supposed to be in office? Does it look like it to you? All of these are very important things for us to help us understand that nothing that happens in your life, not a single thing, happens in a vacuum. It's kind of like that rock that you, you throw and let it skip across the water, and finally when it settles, there'll be ripples and circles that start small right where the rock went down, but they just get wider and wider and wider. That's the Joe Biden world in which we find ourselves. Every decision this president makes, every policy that is created and pushed on the American people, every piece of legislation that comes out of both the House and the Senate and ends up at the White House and is signed into law, all of those things don't exist in a vacuum. 
They're each just pebbles that are being thrown into the lake, which is our lives. And it might just make a little ripple when it hits the first time. But then as it impacts those around them, the initial spot, it gets bigger, it gets wider, and more impactful for everybody across the board. You can't convince me that before January 20th of 2020, anybody in this administration or the wannabes or even the previous Democrat that served as president, Barack Obama, they did not sit down and craft a detailed plan about how to run the biggest business on the planet. You realize that, don't you? The United States government, when you look at an economic model, it's by far the largest on the planet. Joe Biden has never run anything business-related, has no clue. And he didn't surround his people that have that past. Oh, yeah, there are some economists in his administration, but they're all recycled people. They've been government people for their entire professional careers. They don't understand. If you're a small business owner and you're listening today, I know your dilemma. I know There have been times, and maybe recently, where you had to do without a paycheck to make sure all your employees were paid. I know what it is when you look at the money that is deducted out of your payroll that you've got to send to the government to cover that payroll deduction for your employees to match Social Security and Medicare. I know how tough it is. When you get it, you find a way to get payroll done. You get your rent paid You get your electricity paid, all of those kind of things, and you think you're okay, and then you go, oh my gosh, I've got a payroll tax bill that i got to pay. I understand that. Joe uh, Biden doesn't have a clue, and most of his senior staff have no idea either. They just think they're the ones that are enlightened, so whatever they think something is, well, because it's them, That's the way it is. And don't think I'm being asinine when I talk about that because that's the difference in leadership. Real leaders never would let this kind of stuff happen. You know why? Preparation, planning. At church yesterday, I listened to an amazing sermon that challenged me again. At 68, you just think, I'm done. I'm just going to fall into my niche and just slide through the balance of my life, just kind of taking it easy. It doesn't work that way. You keep trucking or you lay down and die. Those are the only two options we have. If we quit, we're not going to be doing anything to make an impact that's going to impact us, our families, or any of those around us. We think nothing exists in a vacuum. So I can promise you the Biden administration never even gave a thought about gas prices possibly going up. I mean, if he did, you think he would have canceled the XL pipeline on day one? So proudly, if he gave any thought whatsoever to what happens when we do this. It sounds good at the 30,000-foot level to say, you know what, that carbon emission stuff, that's really bad on us. We get cancer from it. Uh, makes pollution worse than it already is. Why don't we do this? Let's just start cutting out and kicking carbon 
fossil fuels kicking it out of our economy and move over to that energy clean stuff, you know, like wind and solar, not that nuclear thing. Oh, we don't want to build any more nuclear uh, plants. We just can't do that because of uranium and, you know, radioactive poison. We don't want to go down that road. It's cleaner. It's much more energy clean than are any of the other ones. They didn't even put that in there. So he said, let's just feed the climate change sycophants that are supporting us. Let's just give them a bone or two. So we'll cancel the XL pipeline. Never gave one thought to the ripples that were going to come from that. We've got to have hearts for people, not just here. Donald Trump's America first thing, that was selfish. We're not that nation. We're a nation where anybody and everybody can come here if they want to. Everybody deserves the right to achieve a new and better life. So we're not going to open up and continue building that southern wall. That's xenophobic. We're not that kind of nation. We're just going to open the borders down there. But we've got this little problem. You know, there are a lot of federal immigration laws that say uh, what we want to do isn't legal. But I'm the president of the United States, and I'm the attorney general. So we can do it. We'll just couch the way we do it without saying we're not going to enforce laws anymore. We'll just quit enforcing the laws. And all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden, what happened? What happened at our southern border? We're going to get into that a little bit later. But let's just go ahead and look at it now. In Eagle Pass, Texas, that's right now the epicenter. It used to be the Rio Grande Valley down around Hidalgo and McAllen. This is in southwest Texas, Eagle Pass. Homeland Security insisted the border is closed. We played Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, last week before Congress. He was asked, is our southern border closed? He immediately replied, yes, it is. Well, if it is, it ain't working. Thousands of illegals pouring across our border every day at The Del Rio Border Patrol sector in South Texas is a magnet for those big groups, which Border Patrol defines more than 100 individuals. During one weekend in mid-May, agents encountered five large groups totaling 630 people from Cuba, Peru, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Dominican Republic, and Nicaragua. Only one of the 630 was a Mexican national. More than half of them were single adult males. Now that's according to Border Patrol. These are the ones that are supposed to be sent back automatically, especially according to Title 42, which still is in place, temporarily at least. Another 135 of them were single adult females. Two were accompanied children. The rest were individuals that are part of a family unit. At the same time this weekend, we had over a 1,000 reported gotaways That's from Del Rio Border Patrol Sector Chief Jason Owens. Gotaways are those illegals. They detect Border Patrol, sees them, maybe on electronic surveillance, but they can't catch them. That area of the southern border, Del Rio, had more than 16,000 gotaways during April 2nd behind Tucson, Arizona. So during this fiscal year, which began on October 1st, 2021, Del Rio sector agents have encountered 112 large groups, 
large groups, which accounts for about half the large groups encountered across the southern border. Now, there are some real horrible things happening. Again, remember, we told you nothing exists or operates or functions in a vacuum. The mercury, temperatures for this summer, South Texas, folks, southern New Mexico, southern Arizona. There's desert everywhere across there. It gets hot. The average temperature in some places down there is already over 100 degrees in the Del Rio and Eagle Pass areas. Border agents are busy providing medical assistance to illegals with heat-related issues as well as drownings. Uh, the Biden folks don't want to talk about any of this. Yesterday, Owens, border chief down there, said already this morning we've encountered two deceased individuals that were left behind the smugglers in the desert. He said a third body was found in the river. Drownings are more and more common, particularly near Eagle Pass, where the Rio Grande is deceptively deep and it's fast. With such an austere environment, the Del Rio sector area of responsibility can be extremely unforgiving. So far this year, almost 30% of all deceased individuals encountered by Border Patrol have been located in the Del Rio sector. The dangers are real. May 20th, reporters watched as Border Patrol agents treating several illegals for heat-related issues, including providing fluids through IVs under a tree next to a highway. The person that was getting the IV treatment was transported to a medical facility by an Eagle Pass ambulance. The same day, Louisiana judge over in eastern Louisiana blocked the Biden administration from terminating Title 42. That's the health order that has been being used to quickly expel Mexicans and some other illegals. Department of Justice has said it's going to appeal that ruling. It was supposed to end. Let's see when. Today, right? Today or tomorrow, it was set to end. During April, almost 95,000 illegals, about 70,000 of those 95,000 who were Mexican nationals, the other again, all from other countries, they were quickly expelled under Title 42 during the month of April. 107,310 were processed under Title 8 immigration law and just given a free pass saying, y'all come on in. You made it across the border. 107,000 of you, you can go out and do whatever you want to do. Now, they did get a notice to appear, but less, far less than 80% of them come back. Who were the other ones? Where are they? A lot of questions to get answered that we're not getting. And I'll give you a number that, if you haven't heard it yet, it'll frost you. More than half a million migrants illegally crossed our border during just one 10-week period that ended on May 15th. Yeah, it was record-setting. This crisis is overwhelming Border Patrol and also non-government organizations' resources as they're trying to help with the level, the stupid, chaotic, fanatic, frenzic level of border crossers. Between April 1 and May 15, 513,000 migrants crossed into the U.S. The number reflects those caught and cited in the April Southwest Border Migration Report 
and some unofficial numbers obtained from one law enforcement source within Border Patrol. The source stated agents apprehended approximately 47,000 migrants just in the past seven days. Until just a few days ago, the Rio Grande Valley and the Delrose sectors led the nation in migrant apprehensions. But a recent surge in the El Paso sector, which is further west, pushed the remote Texas-New Mexico sector into the lead. The source said that the El Paso sector agents detained about 5,000 migrants in area processing on Monday of this past week. Haitian migrants accounted for 50% of that total. So Joe Biden and the Democrats call out to everybody, y'all come, y'all come. When this whole thing started, I mean really kicked off in the Biden administration, it was principally Mexico and those Central American countries. But now, as you just heard, more than half, more than half are coming from other nations. What's the definition of insanity? Wanting change. But just trying to convince yourself and operate that what you're doing already will eventually make the change happen. It doesn't work that way. And it's certainly not working that way in the Biden administration. Do you have any clue why what's going on is going on? Regardless of what anybody in the government tells you, anybody, president on down, There was no planning to handle all of this. There was none. They wouldn't talk about it during the campaign. Do you think that Joe Biden would have received the votes that he really got if he had campaigned that I am going to keep the border open, we're going to open the door, and we're going to wave in a million people quickly? No. So there were no plans to enforce the laws there. In fact, it was exactly opposite. They planned the other way, which is exactly what we're living through right now. We should not be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked. We should be looking at what can happen and what needs to happen to get this government from the top down, everybody in our federal government, to do one thing and one thing only. Honor the oaths of office that they took. When they took the jobs, and if it wasn't one where they took an oath, it was still one where they made a commitment to work for the government, which is working for you and me. Which means they can make policies, but the policies they make, every single one of them must fall in line with what the people in the districts and states that sent them to D.C. to serve what those people want and not what those politicians want. I signed an $87 million contract with nonprofit social security agency Family Endeavors, and they didn't even go look for competing bids. That's according to an inspection report by Department of Homeland Security Office of Inspector General. ICE did not adequately justify the need for this one sole source contract. What's it for? 
to house more of these migrant families. And they spent about $17 million for hotel space and services at just six hotels that went almost totally unused between April and June last year. And those hotels got paid that money, $17 million. This was a sole source contract with Endeavors, the name of the company. It resulted in millions being spent on unused hotel space. The inspectors also found ICE did not accurately determine the number of beds that were needed to address the anticipated surge of migrants. And its contract required payment for the beds, even if nobody used them. We reviewed cost and usage rates at hotels operated by endeavors to house migrant families between those dates and found none of the facilities used more than half the number of beds that ICE paid for. That's according to the IG report. The IG found no justification for this sole source contract. Family Endeavors sent ICE a proposal for housing without ICE requesting it, and the agency did not have the supporting documentation to show the nonprofit was the only contractor that was able to provide the services. So they got the contract with no kind of competition. And it cost us uh, $17 million. How can anybody, how can anybody with all this happening legitimately and honestly think this administration is serving the American people? It's not. There's nothing in it. Nothing in it. Everything, every decision that's made, there is a plan for it. But it has nothing to do with the United States Constitution. It has nothing to do with the rule of law. When the federal government from the top down can justify just not enforcing the law, period. Well, Dan, they don't, you know, they don't do that with everything. No, 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 they don't. But pulling the lever and electing someone to serve in the House or the Senate or also in the White House. That doesn't mean you're electing them and they can go up there and do whatever they want. They ask you to vote for them and they promised we're going to do this, we're not going to do that, but every one of them, every single one of them took an oath to enforce the rule of law, to abide by the United States Constitution and to protect us, the U.S., all of us, against our enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't even talk about that anymore. We certainly don't talk about it because we don't think much about it. It's not supposed to be a big deal because they promised to do it and they were elected. They're just supposed to do it and we just assume they will. Obviously, that ain't working. Well, there's a whole lot more than this that we need to get into this morning. This baby formula thing has just gone through the roof. And again, once more, it shows this administration was not and is not prepared. They just do the wakamo. I mean, every time the little guy jumps up, they have a mallet. They hit him on the head trying to do it. He doesn't stay down. He pops back up and other was wakamo. I mean, that's what this government does across the board. There's no planning. There's no preparation. They don't get facts until after something blows up. This baby formula thing 
is just one example of that. We're going to wait into that. We have some other stuff that um, we just got. We just got to get after. We're going to do that with you, and get started right after this. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda. But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. Odessa! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here are the smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold to watch what happens next. You are the army of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Alexa, do you have an Alexa? Do you use Alexa? I got to be honest with you. Uh, I think our son and daughter-in-law gave Marianne one for Christmas a couple of years ago. And we set it up and uh, we used it for a bit. But then I started hearing things. And every once in a while, when a television was on and some ad would play, our Alexa would pop up as she was turned on responding to something was said on television. And they got me thinking. Who's on the other end of that? <laughs> There's somebody not named Alexa that's on the other end. Now, why are they listening to us here? Why are they watching or listening to television in my house? So we unplugged Alexa and we haven't used her. Now, of course, we think, oh, because we do that, we're, we're locked down. We have security. All of our computers, everything in the system in our studio at Truth News Network, it's all got security software, et cetera, et cetera. But somebody out there 
can figure out how to get through that security system and get into whatever I have. You don't think that's possible? Why would you think that's not possible? There's some human being that wrote that code for that security process, right? That means somebody can get a hold of all of the way they set it up and get through it. If they've got the plans in their hands, somebody can hack and get in there. What does that mean? (laughs) Don't ever get cocky. (laughs) You're uh, susceptible just like all of the rest of us for something like that to happen. Not trying to scare you, just trying to make you think a little bit. So a bunch of Republicans, they have just gone crazy about the Biden administration policies. And I just want to, I want to jump right, right to the gist of this, folks. I don't see any way, and I'm not an economist, but I read a lot and I watch the trends. I don't see any way that the United States is not either already in a recession or one's going to slap us real hard in the face in the next month or two. I know, I know they're doing all of this and saying, here's what we're doing. Joe's releasing all that gas from our oil reserves, our emergency oil reserves, and every time he releases some of that, it's only good for less than a day and a half. Another conundrum about that, that everybody doesn't understand. When the president releases oil from our federal oil reserves, he doesn't release it for free. You hadn't thought about this. The government sells it to the people that they hate, these oil companies. Now, what price do you think the government gives the oil companies? Well, I mean, they would do it at cost. No, 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 no. I can tell you, I know that's not for a fact. You know why? The Biden administration has not put one drop of oil in our federal oil reserves. Do you remember way back? It seems like it was 20 years ago. But about two years ago, two and a half years ago, when the price of oil went down, way, 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 way down, and all of these oil production companies, you know, those evil ones that they're out there screaming and hollering because they're making all this money, they were losing billions of dollars because they were selling oil for less than it was costing them to get it to market. Why is that? Remember the COVID lockdowns? Everybody quit moving around. There was no demand for gas Services in a capitalistic country are based upon supply and demand, period. When you got something that everybody wants and you can't get your hands on it sufficient to everybody get it, prices go up, demand goes up, supply goes down. When the supply goes up and all of a sudden there's a flood of that available, There's a lot of competition out there. Well, the station across the street, they're 20 cents less than I am. Global energy prices today are continuing. Well, let me finish where I was going with that. The government, when they put that oil out of the federal oil reserves, Donald Trump got all of that when he went public with it and he got Congress to agree with it. We need to spend a bunch of money and fill up those oil reserves because the price of oil was way down less than $41 a barrel. It's $110 a barrel now. So he paid the low, low price to put it in the oil reserves. 
So what do you think Joe Biden's selling that to these oil companies to go to your gas stations? You think he's giving it to them at what we paid for it? No, and nobody expects him to. There's no way, there's not nearly enough in the oil reserves to take care of what we need, period. And he has no plans. Remember when he first realized, somebody said, we've got a problem with oil. He got on the phone. It went public. He's asking the Saudi Arabians to drop the price of oil and to put more in the market for us. He got the middle finger. And it's not just here. Global energy prices are continuing to worsen as the European Union has pledged further oil sanctions on Russia over this Ukrainian invasion. Record high inflation, high fuel costs are causing a slowdown in our economy and the economies of every other nation on earth that gets oil or gas from Europe or for us. Well, we hadn't done anything. Why, why is it a problem getting it from us? Our president cut down with his policies that he unilaterally instigated on oil production, which was a stupid thing to do. That's why I point to our opening premise in the show today. This administration never planned for any kind of issue that would possibly happen from any of their decisions. A good manager when they brought up that whole idea, oh, we've got to feed AOC and her gang and we've got to, we got to start pulling us back from fossil fuel. How do we do that? Let's stop them from doing any more drilling, any more traveling with oil and natural gas like pipelines. we got to shut all that down. And that's going to force everybody to go to green energy. Can you imagine anybody that has half a brain in the United States. I'm not talking about being somebody in the oil and gas business. I'm talking about anybody that understands how capitalism works. What we are living in right now is the product of what wasn't done in planning for our energy consumption needs in a Biden administration. They just stayed up at the top where the fluff is. If it sounds good, it's got to work. Let's give it a whirl. They put 100,000 plus out of work, high-paying jobs, and overseas, all the overseas energy producers were licking their chops because they knew, they knew the stuff that Joe Biden was promising to do And when he began to do it, they said, "Uh uh-huh, they're going to rely on us again, and we're going to take them to the river, which they're doing. Republicans in the Senate and House, they slammed Biden for its de facto ban on new drilling. After news that the average gas prices here hit a record four and a half a gallon on May 19th, Ted Cruz, 21 other Republican senators sent a letter to the Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo, calling from the National Marine Fisheries Service to immediately issue permits required to bring more production online from already existing offshore federal oil and gas leases. They're already there. 
Here's what the letter said. While the Biden administration and members of Congress fault the domestic oil and gas industry for sitting idle on over 9,000 drilling permits and millions of acres of inactive leases, NMFS's permitting delays represent one example of the administration's de facto ban on new drilling-impeding domestic oil and gas investment, exploration, and production. It is unacceptable. That agency miscalculations have restricted access to safe, secure, and reliable domestic oil and gas production. How? Through substantial, unnecessary, and arbitrary permitting delays. They want, and they get up and preach it, everybody, Joe Biden himself, his energy secretary, Jen Psaki, when she was White House press secretary, oh, man, we we were we put all this stuff up. We were going to do these leases, and we had to cancel the sale because of lack of interest. And they want to blame all of that on the oil and gas industry. They don't go into the details of how that all works. Do you know when you buy an oil and gas lease, that lease comes with a lot of requirements. And part of that is you've got only so long before you can plan and implement a drilling process. And you don't get to decide when you're going to drill. You know who does? The federal government. Now, what do you mean, Dan? What are you talking about? Getting permission to explore on a piece of property that's owned by somebody else, getting that permission and getting that lease, that's only part one. That lease is not worth a penny to you unless you produce and get fossil fuel off of it. Of course, there are no guarantees. There's a bunch of dry holes out there, although you've paid millions of dollars to get to that point to be able to lose all that money if you drill and it's dry. But listen to this. You can't drill for oil or gas until and unless the federal government will issue you a drilling permit. And they're not real big on supporting that process. They don't tell us this. This is the part about our media that just fries me the most. I can't tell you how many on MSNBC and CNN that I've seen, and I don't watch much of it, get up there and say, it's these oil, evil oil companies. Did you see the profits they made? Well, yeah, I did, but did you see the profits they lost and lost and lost each of the last three years? Tens of billions of dollars. You weren't out there screaming and hollering, offering to give them subsidies for what they were losing because of the COVID-19 lockdowns that you guys did. And not a single person, when they've been asked, answered the question about why why is the federal government not cooperating with domestic oil and gas production anymore? Oh, we are, sir. You know, we've leased lands. We put these leases up there for another auction, and not enough people were going to come. So we just canceled the auction. They didn't bother to tell these 21 Republican senators that's in this letter. They pointed it out, but I didn't know about the fact that there are 9,000 drilling permits and millions of acres in inactive leases. Why is that? They haven't gotten drilling permits yet. And you can't punch a hole 
until the federal government says, you know, you spent that lease money, you spent all those millions of dollars with us to get those leases, and you've sat on them long enough, so you can go ahead and drill. And they give you a permit to drill one hole. They don't give you permits to drill the whole property. One at a time. Maybe two, maybe three. But they don't just come in and you don't even have to tell them any place you're going to drill, just go drill anywhere on that property you want to. No, 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 no. The environmentalists get involved in it. They'll go out and do their environmental studies. All that kind of stuff. It's domestic bureaucracy that runs it all. It has nothing to do with our environment. And by the way, this evil fossil fuel that they want to get rid of, you can't build cars without fossil fuel. You can't make electric cars without fossil fuel. You can't run trains across the nation or 18-wheelers without fossil fuels. And you'll never see a Gulf, a Gulf Stream 650, which is a $75,000 private jet. You'll never see one flying through the air with an electric cord hanging out of the back of it, running on solar or electric energy. It isn't going to happen. It can't be done. And even if it could, it would take years of transitioning from where we are to where we want to go, even if it could happen. Have you seen or heard any of those transition plans? Well, you know, we did that infrastructure bill. It was a bipartisan bill. Republicans and Democrats voted for it. We got all that money. What are we doing? We're putting up 10,000 electric car charging stations across the nation. 10,000. There are 200 million cars and trucks on the road today. I don't need to say any more. You get it. So what about this baby formula thing? Just another example of no planning, no preparation by the Biden administration. Word was leaked two weeks ago. We reported to you here. The CEO of one of those, not, not Abbott, the big one, but one of the other ones said he reached out to the Biden administration in July of last year, telling them we need to prepare for a baby formula shortage for a lot of different reasons, and I won't go into them, but he did with the Biden administration, and as usual, they ignored it. And so now, what is he doing? Same thing they always do, react. Don't plan, don't prepare, just react. They're bragging about baby formula. Yeah, we got it from overseas. We're the Biden administration. We take care of you. A U.S. Air Force C-17, huge cargo plane carrying enough specialty infant formula for more than half a million baby bottles landed in Indianapolis yesterday, months after the baby formula crisis began. This is the first thing the Biden administration has actually done to begin to address the problem they should have kept from ever happening. It was the FDA that shut that plant in Michigan down in February. Now they tell us this morning, many more deliveries are expected from Europe in coming weeks. And they're all aimed at relieving a shortage that has sent parents scrambling to find enough to feed their kids, according to a White House readout on the issue. 
Air Force planes are being used for the effort dubbed Operation Fly Formula. Great names for it. So how much did they bring in? Well, the formula itself weighed 78,000 pounds. 78,000 pounds. That's what? Half of 78 is 39. 39,000 tons. Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack, he was in Indy to greet the arrival of that first shipment. It came from Ramstein Air Base in Germany. The flights are intended to provide some incremental relief in the coming days. As the government works, I'm not even, I I just hate to even talk about this. All they're doing is they've got a huge hole in the wall and they've got a Band-Aid. They're trying to reach up there and stick to stop the flow. And folks, 39 tons won't feed even an nth of the babies in this nation. And we don't even know when and what is coming in. There are other shipments coming in this week, we're told. If they said it, of course, we need to believe it. When they say it to me, it means it's probably not going to happen the way they're saying it's going to happen. Meanwhile, let me tell you what's going on. We have another state that is reporting American children are facing hospitalization because of this baby formula shortage. Georgia officials are reporting children with medical conditions are hospitalized at Children's Health Care of Atlanta. Why? Their kids can't find food to eat. Mom and dad can't find it. The abbreviation of that hospital, Children's Health Care of Atlanta, is CHOA. I know the hospital intimately. It is only for children. It's massive. And it is amazing what it has been able to do through decades taking care of kids. And I, when I say taking care of kids, I'm, I'm not talking about wealthy kids alone. Medicare, all of them, all the way up through. You don't have any kind of income and you've got a child with a serious problem, you can send that child to CHOA. Here's what the local paper said. A spokesperson for children said Thursday, all the children hospital hospitalized had specific dietary needs and any changes to their formula needed to be carefully monitored to make sure that they could be well tolerated. It can be a long, complicated process to find a substitution that works for the children's nutritional needs and then make sure the new formula won't trigger any negative and potentially dangerous reactions like dehydration or diarrhea. So they wouldn't give a specific number of children that are hospitalized. But they said many were hospitalized back in February when this formula plant was shut down. Others were hospitalized more recently as the formula shortage has gotten worse. And it's not just infants. The hospital said those hospitalizations include babies as well as older children. News of the local hospitalizations come as a baby formula shortage is at a fever pitch. Parents desperately looking for formula and stores depleted. White House and federal agencies this week have taken steps to restart the Abbott Nutrition's Michigan formula plant, which is the biggest here in the nation. It's been closed since February because of some alleged contamination problems that nobody will talk about. They were disproved. When the news first came out and the FDA stepped in, that's Joe Biden's FDA, by the, by the way, and they stepped in, they said there were four kids that died from baby formula coming from that plant. 
Did you hear the follow-up report? You know, the truth one? No baby died. Some babies got sick, and they're not even sure if it was because of what came out of that plant. But isn't that typical? Isn't that the way this administration runs and operates? Fly by the seat of your pants, which means don't worry about anything that might happen. Don't prepare for anything that would be likely to happen. Let me let me explain what I'm talking. Let's just talk about the fossil. Go back to that for a second. Fossil fuel. Let's let's just talk about that. If the nation, the nation being you and me and everybody that else that lives here. If we wanted and thought it was best to do away with fossil fuel, we're not stupid people. If we were going to be part of that defining process to do whatever and take care of all the details to make that shift away from where we are and have been for more than a century, what would we do? We'd sit down at the table and we would look at every segment of it. It would take weeks, months, probably even years to get a plan that would work, get it created, the plan, implemented and operating, and it would not be a flip this switch off, flip this one on deal. There's no way to do that. But that's exactly what this administration did. No foresight, no planning, no sitting down, and what you do when you look at a potential project, and I don't care if it's a little bitty one or a monster one, Every one of those things, if you're going to change it, there needs to be a process in which you do it. You don't want to destroy one part of it just rushing it through. You want to make sure what you implement, when you implement it, how you implement it, and with whom that all flows together so you can just diminish the potential horrors that might happen as you go through this process. And so what do you do? You bring up every type of objective, something that would be, maybe make a part of it not work. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And you prepare contingency plans. It would have taken the Biden administration years to make this thing happen. But what did they do? They needed the support of the squad and all of their followers. So they cut a deal to lay down and give up on the Green New Deal to appease Bernie and AOC and the rest of the gang. They got what they wanted. We're not getting what we wanted when the nation elected all of those people in Congress in 2020 and just recently in 2022 getting ready for the midterms. We're not getting what they said they were going to give us. The beginning of all of that means you've got to be believable. You've got to be trustworthy. Honestly, I don't think we have anybody in office that I feel really comfortable with about that. Congressman Mike Johnson from Northwest Louisiana in congressional testimony. That's up next. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying. 
to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Boy, that's an oldie. Yeah, drive me to drinking. It's not a hot rod Lincoln. It's an on-fire nation that needs help. It's driving me absolutely crazy. Just when you you think you've heard it all, you hear something else and you shake your head. SMH, you know what that means on social media, shake my head. I do that a lot nowadays. Just so you'll know, I'll just throw this out there. There are rumors, once again, the U.S. Supreme Court may release its finding on the Roe v. Wade thing today. Mondays are typically the day that they uh, they release big news. And they're getting close, of course, to the, um, the end of this session. It ends sometime in late June. And if they're going to do something on Roe v. Wade, they're going to have to do it pretty quick. So if it happens while we're on the air live, We'll get into it with you. We'll talk to you about it. But as a subject of that, there are a lot of people that have just been going absolutely crazy, pro and con, about what this will do if Roe v. Wade is overturned. There's so much information out there, disinformation mostly. Uh, I guess the biggest one is it's going to make abortion illegal nationwide. It's going to be a nationwide thing. Women, they're scaring people to death. Women, they're, oh, you you, you know, you're going to have to go down a back alley and get it done from some shyster using a coat hanger and all those kinds of things. You're going to be arrested and go to jail if you get an abortion. And if you help somebody get an abortion, you're going to be going to jail too. None of that is true. Not one thing is true about it. This will not make abortion illegal. All it says, if the Supreme Court does it, and you can read it in that draft opinion that Justice Alito put out that we we got our the nation saw a month ago. You can read it for yourself and see all it does is it says there will be no federal abortion law. And they give all of the reasons why it can happen. But all that will do, if that is the verdict they come out with, all it'll do is it'll put the Roe v. Wade situation back in the hands of the people's representatives at the state level. So you'll have some states where abortion is legal. You'll have other states where it's not. So if you need an abortion, it's not like you have to fly to Japan to get one. But 
the people are the ones that decide and choose who we're going to send to make our laws. And so we give those who represent us, we give them what we like and what we think and what we want for us, and then they go to Washington, D.C., and make their voices heard representing us on all of these issues, abortion being a very important one. So one of our friends here at TNN Live is Mike Johnson. He is the number four man in in the uh, Republican power chain in the United States Congress. He's a frequent visitor here. Last Friday, they were in session in a committee and were interviewing a nominee for a junior position in the Homeland uh, the Health and Human Services Department. I want you to listen to this. This is just a couple of minutes of Congressman Johnson talking to this Biden nominee about abortion. Ma'am, you testified that you are, quote, unapologetic in seeking unrestricted abortion access. So I'm wondering, at what point is it not okay to abort a child? What, what age of gestation? I trust all people to determine what they can and can't do with their bodies. We'll stop. Okay. I also believe that human rights, um, including access to the medical care, medical care that they need within their communities, is something that should be afforded everyone. Great. Okay. So you, you support late-term abortion? I support all people and trust That means people. late-term abortion. Do you support partial birth abortion? In other words, the child is half-delivered, and then the woman says, my right, I want to take that one out. You support that? I trust people to make decisions about wow. their body. Wow. Okay. What, what about, um, so, so abortion should be allowed then, by your definition, for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? I trust people to make decisions about their body. And then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical p- practitioners. Okay. And not is, if it is. Listen, let me just ask you this question. If it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10-year-old child, I assume you agree with that, right? That would be wrong, Correct. I believe that. Okay, that is and wrong. a two-year-old child, same thing. That would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then, what is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old, or nine months old, or one week old, or an hour old, than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Full stop. Wow. Full stop, indeed. And that describes right there exactly what this is about. There's a legal issue here, but underneath that is a moral issue. It's about reality. It's about science, the advancement of medical technology. You're talking about unborn children, and your your full stop is that you will support the termination of that child at any time, and that is frightening, and that is why this decision should be turned to the popular will of the people, and hopefully they'll protect the sanctity of every single human life and live up to the standards of our Declaration of Independence. I yield back. Do you have... Any question about all the people that are just okay with taking a baby? I struggle with that. I struggle with it every day. I've tried to get my brain around and understand. And the only way to reconcile it that I can come up with is for someone not to care about life, or even if you call it potential life, like Congressman said, they're eight inches up the birth canal. That's the difference between 
one being alive and one not being alive. And then I go back to, my wife goes to um, showers all the time, wedding showers, baby showers. I don't think she's ever been to a fetus shower. I don't believe I've ever heard of one. But nevertheless, it's hard to comprehend so many different things that are happening in our government and have been for decades, generations even. They just don't make sense. And the template that we all have, and I'm going to challenge you. Have you read personally the United States Constitution? Have you ever read it? I mean, you can get it in a bunch of different formats. You can get it online. I encourage you to just sit down with it and read through all of the articles, the Declaration, the Preamble, all that kind of stuff. Each of the articles and all of the 26 or 27 amendments, whatever they are. Read each one and understand what our forefathers were doing when they crafted the Constitution, signed the Constitution, put it in place to run the nation by, and to run it from the top to the bottom for everybody, every institution, every individual, every politician, every private citizen, every immigrant to adhere to and abide by both of its privileges that are guaranteed and the laws that are structured that will be enforced and people who break them will be held accountable. That process is very plain. And if you read the Constitution and then you turn around and look at life today in our nation, there's no correlative at all. You can't look at one and say, well, here it is. We used to be a beacon on a hill. That's what they call the United States. Something to look up to and push for and hope for. We're becoming just like many of the other countries on earth. We're a big group of powerful politicians have hooked up with a bunch of wealthy people in those nations, and they're running them from top to bottom in total disregard for the commoners the people that aren't part of their group. It's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. Well, (laughs) what else is important in your life today? What about the, the news that came out of that John Durham trial of Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman? Question was asked to... Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. He was under oath sworn and was testifying. And he was asked who gave who gave the go command, giving permission, somebody officially giving the investigators permission to go, Sussman being the investigator, to go to the FBI and talk about the first bit of quote-unquote evidence that they had that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians, actually that he had a back back, uh, back office connection with Alpha Bank, a Russian government-owned bank. That was the allegation Sussman had. And Hillary's former campaign manager said Hillary Clinton gave the word to go. She started the whole thing personally. That's a bombshell that's out there. It's a bombshell. And the investigation is going to go on and on and on. But what's happening is John Durham is apparently, 
apparently peeling back the layers of the onion. And at some point, he may already be there. What he's going to do or what he already has done is he's bringing everybody in and he's telling them all, anybody and everybody that broke the law in this, per this investigation, is going to be prosecuted and probably go to jail if they're convicted. If you don't want to be one of those people, we need to know how this process worked. And if you'll cooperate with us, we'll give you a break. That's what this is happening. I guarantee you, Robbie Mook, that Clinton campaign manager, he came clean because he was told if you don't, you'll be implicated and you will be held accountable. So what's happening now as Durham, he's, um, he's very methodically moving forward. Former Trump administration official and attorney Cash Patel claims that all roads in this investigation, they don't lead to Hillary. They lead to Andy McCabe and the Lovebirds concocting an insurance plan. Remember that? Remember that struck and his girlfriend? They were sending these texts back and forth and they were talking about the insurance plan. Cash Patel said he thinks John Durham knows what the insurance plan is. That trio struck McCabe and a girlfriend. They led the biggest criminal conspiracy in U.S. history, just trying to take down Donald Trump. In the meantime, Hillary's 2016 campaign manager, Robbie Mook, I just talked to you about him, he testified that his boss agreed to leak that information. Hillary knew it, authorized it. They leaked that false information to the media to try to gin up attention against Trump. McCabe, if you remember, is the ex-deputy director of the FBI. He was fired during the Trump administration after then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions concluded that he allegedly authorized the leaking of information on the Hillary Clinton email server case to the media, and then he lied about it. Maria Bartiromo, who interviewed Patel Sunday on the latest developments, showed text messages from the so-called lovebirds, ex-FBI official Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, in which Strzok reassures Lisa Page that an insurance policy existed to stop Donald Trump from becoming president. I remind the audience that's in August of 2016 when they were digesting just getting the Steele dossier when they were running with the Alpha Bank server nonsense and when they were getting ready to go to the FISA court. This is Cash Patel talking. This trio who led the biggest criminal conspiracy in our history is in the crosshairs of John Durham. That's what's coming next. He has their own words, putting them on blast in the FBI's corruption. Cash Patel added he expects the trial of Clinton campaign manager lawyer Michael Sussman to wrap up this week. He even said that Page and Strzok could be cooperating in the case. Remember what I told you? Durham goes to him and he probably starts at the bottom and begins to work up and tells him whoever cuts the first deal gets a free pass. Sussman is charged with making a false statement to the FBI in relation to that covert communication channel. Remember, what he did was he's the one that put the information together. He went to a friend of his in the FBI 
who was then the general attorney, general counsel of the FBI, James Baker, and said, hey, I've got this information. I feel it's important. I'm not representing anybody in either one of these things. We just got this and think it's important enough for the FBI to look at. As it turns out, Sussman lied, and you can't do that. It's a felony. The FBI can lie to you, but you can't lie to the FBI. They can always say it's just part of their process of investigating, and you get busted for lying to the FBI. That's what he did, and Durham's Durham's going to prosecute him for it. I promise you, nobody's going to get a free pass unless they pull in and do the deal. Have you been keeping up with all the fallout from the uh, Buffalo slaughter that happened a week ago? I mean, it, it's, it, it really is horrible. It really is bad. And it keeps getting worse. Not so much, not so much because of what happened, but because of what they're trying to do on the left to portray it as. And they have just gone nuts. I mean, here's the deal. The ground's been seeded. FBI Director Christopher Wray said publicly, the number one threat in the United States of America is white supremacy and white supremacists. And that was a dog whistle for the left. They just went crazy. So then it's to their benefit, everybody that disagrees with Democrat Party politics and the Democrat stuff that they push out there, you must be a racist. And they don't just stop there. If you don't agree with us, you got to be a white supremacist. And that's the dog whistle for the left to amp up the angst in the populace against anybody that disagrees with Democrats. Corporate media continues moving their ideological goalpost. Anything short of full prostration before the woke cause is somehow furthering atrocities like Buffalo. In labeling everybody on the right as the root of all evils, a new push to shame anybody, even slightly associated with conservatives, It's underway in full steam, and it includes advertisers for one of our major news networks. Which one? Fox News. Whether it's free speech or free market capitalism, those on the left despise anything that they can't control, and they can't control Fox News or any other conservative outlet. And since they can't outdo Fox in the ratings, and they haven't yet put enough pressure of legislative action against the network, they've resorted to somewhat of a proxy war against some of the largest streams of revenue for Fox News. So it all was initiated in Buffalo, but they've been trying to find a way and a reason to trigger this anyway. Talking heads across the platforms are pointing fingers at Republicans and the promotion of, this is a quote, hateful right-wing rhetoric. That's responsible for the suspect in Buffalo's motivations. So what does the left do? NBC News. They reach out to those buying any commercials on Fox to see if they'll continue to be a party to this alleged complicity, this hookup between Fox News and white supremacists. 
They contacted spokespeople for 14 corporations that advertise on Fox. That includes General Motors and Weight Watchers. And asked those companies if they plan to continue advertising on the network following the Buffalo tragedy. And then there's The View on ABC. The View rode this bandwagon last week as well with co-host Anna Navarro stating that I think it's time to name names and point fingers. If you're an advertiser advertising on that station, you're part of the problem. Of course, it's likely purely coincidental that the pressure on advertisers fell at the same time that Fox News was having their annual upfronts. What NBC reported as the yearly industry event in New York where network executives encourage companies to purchase advertisements on air. As expected, this is no shock to you, NBC is specifically targeting primetime host Tucker Carlson. So in a statement, NBC reported, General Motors said, We do not advertise on Tucker Carlson or other similar shows, though we do advertise on Fox News. When asked if the company plans to continue to advertise on the network, a GM spokesperson pointed NBC News back to the original statement. They went on, Weight Watchers does not advertise on Tucker's show. The company's communications office didn't reply to an email asking if it planned to continue to advertise on Fox News. What they were doing the reason for all of these efforts was fairly easy to see through for anybody who cared to just take a look. In fact, the partisan hackery was on full display from the very beginning of this whole thing that listed progressive activists as a source for pointing out the connection between Tucker's show and the ills of the world. Here's the thing everybody is trying to obliterate. The entirety of our First Amendment, free speech, free press. And that old analysis for the use of free speech in an unfettered fashion, you know the definition of free speech and what its results are? You can say anything at any time to anybody, even if they don't like what they hear. That's the definition of free speech. That's the right in free speech. If you go after the press and try to shut the press up, we have example after example in the country around the world, countries around the world in our history here, but in the countries around the world, it's happening right now. Do you think you can say anything you want in Iran or Iraq or Turkey? Of course, China? No, you can't. And if you take away free speech, freedom of the press especially, what you're doing is fomenting that exact process, and it's a slippery slope. If you start clamping down on media, instead of countering what media might say, countering what they say with the truth, You stifle any conversation, and that means whoever is in power has unilateral, unfettered authority to put anything out they want to, and nobody can counter or question anything they say because they're in charge. They have the power. Think about that. 
Is it really worth it to try to stop one network's one person on one network, Tucker Carlson, which I'll be honest with you, it is the most watched nighttime show right now, surpassing Sean Hannity. Why do you think that is? Tucker is speaking for a lot of people that have been unable to express themselves publicly in fear of the woke crowd that are coming and clamping down and doing it very surreptitiously behind the scenes, like contacting NBC, contacting corporations that advertise with your opponents. You can't beat them on the air. You can't beat them in the ratings. MSNBC, CNBC, you add all their ratings together, they don't even come close to Tucker Carlson's ratings or Fox News across the board. They don't even come close. Why is that? People don't look at NBC's on-air products as being credible, believable, and something they want to participate with. Therefore, they go to Fox News. I could have answered the question NBC was asking all these corporations. (laughs) They're in it for the money. They pay big salaries, these corporations do, but Fox News is not like MSNBC and CNN. They don't pay out these big salaries for nothing and just hope something good's come from it while the network loses money. People want to watch them. More people watch them. That's what advertisers are looking for, and that's what they pay for. You notice when they reached out to General Motors, They didn't get an answer saying they're not going to support Tucker Carlson, although they did say we don't advertise there now. Weight Watchers the same. But neither said they wouldn't advertise on Fox News. Why is that? They want to speak to the biggest number of people that they can, and sadly, NBC's news products on air are not getting them the eyeballs and the ears that they need to have. So much of this stuff is missed. So much of it people just don't understand. I get it, folks. Over at Fox News, you remember a guy named Carl Cameron? He was I, he was a really likable guy. I, in fact, I liked him a lot. He was a he was a correspondent. He was out in the field it, about my age. He looked like he's in his mid to late sixties. A good reporter. Well, he's in a different spot now. Like any good liberal, they're always looking for a scapegoat. Carl Cameron doubled down yesterday on his cry to blame Fox and Tucker for the Buffalo shooting. He was nowhere near the supermarket, Cameron uh, Carlson went, where this 18-year-old opened fire and killed 10 people, nor did he pull the trigger on the weapon but Cameron declared that Carlson should be arrested for alleged misinformation about not the Buffalo shooting, but about the great replacement theory that those on the left have made a white supremacist theory. And so he asked CNN host Jim Acosta this, do you think the Murdoch family, who owns Fox News, do you think the Murdoch family in charge of Fox will ever pull the plug on Tucker. What do you think? Cameron responded by asserting that Carlson was not entitled to free speech that could disturb the peace. There's a point 
when it comes difficult for an executive to put up with the help, he's talking, Cameron is, about Tucker and Fox News managers. In this particular case, Cameron said, Tucker has been screaming fire in a crowded movie house for years. And that cliche really comes to the matter of what's free speech. And the fact of the matter is, if you disturb the peace by starting a riot in a movie theater, cops are going to arrest you and you might end up in jail or you might end up in something worse. He continued his rant. He demanded not only should Fox News deplatform his old colleague Tucker Carlson, but put good old-fashioned censorship should clamp down on internet free speech too. He said, and that kind of stuff absolutely has to stop, whether it's the antitrust bill to take down and deplatform people who lie and put out falsehoods that could damage and violent, violent hate. There ought to be something done about it, and the administration is beginning to actually make a move on that, and it's been way overdue. It's not just Fox, he said. It's social media in general. It's on the internet, and we have to remember that a good portion of what people read is coming from folks who aren't Americans, pretending to be Americans, in order to gaslight them even worse. So despite Carl's assertions to the contrary, the shooter left behind some pretty substantial documentation that cited websites Reddit and 4chan as the inspiration for his deranged shooting that he started planning after being locked down with limited human contact during the COVID-19 lockdowns. I almost spent a year planning this attack, the shooter said. Oh, how time flies. If I could go back, maybe I'd tell myself to get the F off 4chan. The Buffalo shooter Peyton Gendron wrote in his diary. So 4chan, if you know anything about it, and Reddit, if you know anything about it. It's not Fox News. It's not Tucker Carlson. And Carl Cameron has become little more than somebody that wants to get sucked up into the top, what they consider to be the top of the world in news and in finance. And they want their opinions to be accepted by everybody and nobody to support those people that they think are not right for us. It's a big deal, folks. And it's going to be a bigger deal. So what are we going to do about it? One thing, the only thing that we got to start with is making sure we got facts and that we can make decisions using facts and decisions are ahead like we've never had on what to do about things that we're not getting real information about purposely not getting that real information. So let's work together, continue to do it for information. And with that, you can make your own decisions. I can make mine. My circumstances different from you and yours from mine, but we can do this together. And I think at the end, I think we'll all be okay. I really do. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. 
Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Now there's, let me give you another example of this nut stuff on the left. Do you remember Howard Dean? Howard Dean, he ran for nomination to run for Democrat for president years ago. I forget which one it was, but he's from the Northeast. Um, he, I don't know if he's still practicing medicine, but he is a doctor and he was former head of the Democrat National Party. Listen to what he said. And right now, by the way, he is, uh, He's still working with the Democrat National Committee. He was chairman at one time. He was on NBC's, MSNBC's The Beat. And he said that Fox News was the brand of hate and even murder, which should result in the deportation of its founder, Rupert Murdoch, and his son and the current CEO, Lashlin Murdoch. So this, this guy on MSNBC said, I want to speak to you about something we talked about before, which is, of course, the gun problem in this country, the hate problem in this country, and where it all ties back to. The uproar over the placement theory and the hate and the racism, which was cited by this Buffalo shooting suspect. Melber, this host, then quoted a Deadline interview in which Fox CEO Lashlin Murdoch said, we are not only in the news business, When you talk to our fans in middle America, they don't see us as a news business either. They see us as an American media brand. So Howard Dean said, I see the brand of Fox being hate, anger, dishonesty, and now murder. So in other words, he's blaming the Buffalo uh, death, the tragic killing of those 10 people. He's blaming that on Fox News, even though the guy that did the shooting He made it very clear he's not a conservative. He hates conservatism, and he didn't even mention Fox News. But that was just the dog whistle for the left to go after Fox News. Why? Because Fox News is number one in news. That's why. He continued, Dean did. That is the brand. That is the brand of the Murdochs. They've chosen to be their flagship communication. I agree with Biden. Murdoch has harmed this country more than any other human being in my lifetime. Wow. Forget about New York. Forget about 9-11, huh? Howard Dean was alive in Vietnam and in the Iraq War. The Murdochs have harmed (laughs) more people than anybody else. Oh, my gosh. 
He should have never been given citizenship, talking about Rupert Murdoch. The one thing I would change about our immigration policy is to send Murdoch back to Australia and keep them there, the whole family. They think this way. That's a power thing. Howard Dean is a prime example of what I talked about. The left, the real left, the hardcore, they're wanting to move our country away from democracy, away from any republic representation, and they're already in the process of doing that. We're watching it play out, and they're doing it on a gradual basis and not saying, here's what we're doing. So it's just little bitty baby steps they're doing it with. And then you get a, a loud mouth like Howard Dean that comes out and he spills the beans. He added at the end of this interview, if you cause that much trouble, you spread lies and hate and anger and tear the United States apart with your crappy TV shows just to make money. You do not belong. You do not deserve American citizenship, period. Don't even think about the billions of dollars that Murdoch and his other companies put into the economy of the United States, the tens of thousands of people they employ. Don't even think about that, Howard Dean, because you have a political disagreement. You think it's okay for you to determine what's right? Forget about the Constitution. Forget about the rule of law. That's what I'm talking about, folks. If you don't have to deal with the law and what the law says, you can do anything you want to with impunity. Wow. You want to hear another good one? MSNBC's Kirshner went nuts about criminal charges. Listen to this. He thinks there should be criminal charges filed by the Department of Justice against Supreme Court Justice Alito. Why? Because of the draft opinion that leaked on Roe v. Wade. Now, Glenn Kirshner is a legal analyst for MSNBC. He went nuts in response to that leaked Roe v. Wade opinion that would push jurisdiction over abortion down to the states. That's the big problem they're having with this. They want to codify abortion as legal nationally, which would supersede any state laws that might already exist or prevent them from adding them in the future. Kirshner claimed that Alito should be slapped with perjury charges for allegedly backpedaling on his stance on abortion now that a relevant case is making its way through the high court. This is a legal guy, remember Kirshner said on Friday's episode of the Dean Obadala show that the conservative judge should be impeached for lying to Congress during his confirmation hearing. This is reaching deep and looking for straws. Any talk of potentially investigating them for impeachment or impeaching them, because they'll bring up these people lied and they'll say, nope, no one's talking about it. And I guess they know it's not going to win in the Senate. And is it too close of a line? But what is your take on what you heard? This is Dino Badala asked Kirshner, the former federal, uh, federal prosecutor, what do you think these people are exposing themselves to or should be exposed to? Kirshner accused Alito of misrepresenting and deceiving himself under oath, apparently for the crime of not having a crystal ball and knowing what specific case may come before him in the future that would at least, in the draft opinion, 
prompt him to vote to overturn the landmark 1973 opinion, Roe v. Wade, regarding abortion. Well, he said, my take is all of those justices misrepresentative, misrepresented and deceived the senators and, by extension, the American people under oath during their confirmation hearings. Why? Because they couldn't speak the truth, he said. Can you imagine if Alito said under oath what he put in that draft opinion? Roe was egregiously wrong from the minute it was decided, and it's an abuse of judicial authority. And that's a quote. Did he say or communicate anything about Roe v. Wade that came anywhere near that? He communicated the exact opposite. And he continued, he rationalized his proposed penalty by saying this, Sammy the Bull Alito is not as smart as he thinks he is because he, in that draft, put the lie to his confirmation hearing testimony when he communicated under oath. Hey, settle precedent. Stare decisis entitled to respect. The message was, you have nothing to worry about with the continued viability of Roe v. Wade if you confirm me. That was a flippin' lie in substance. And let's not let him get away with it, Dean Kirshner said. Do you see how desperate (laughs) this is coming down to be? Now, let me ask you this. Have you thought this through? Why, oh, why are so many people around the nation not just supporting abortion, but they have become rabid about abortion? Why do you think that is? I don't know the exact answer. I think I have a possibility And I believe the possibility is credible. I don't know that, but I think it is. And what would that be? The love of money is the root of all evil. Do you have any idea how much money there is in the abortion industry? It's estimated to be in the hundreds of billions of dollars. How could that be? Abortions aren't free. Did you get that? Abortions aren't free. Somebody pays for them, and they're not cheap. And there's there's a lot, and I won't get into the details, but there are hundreds of thousands of aborted children through the years who have been used, sold, aborted children, their bodies sold, for medical research, all kinds of medical research. Where does that money go? Where does it come from? Research automatically means big pharma. And what would big pharma do? Well, they would do research, but there's a lot of other things that they can get from these aborted children. The love of money is the root of all evil. And if it is not the sole purpose for what's going on, it's very big part of it. I promise you it's a very big part of it. Early in the show, we talked about this oil thing and the price of gasoline going absolutely bonkers. Friday, it was interesting, Joe Manchin, he was uh, part of the process that was interviewing another Joe Manchin employee, this one happened to be Secretary of the Interior, 
just recently came into office when she was appointed and approved by the Senate by Joe Biden to serve as Secretary of the Interior. And it was about this oil lease I told you that was canceled, this uh, lease sale that was canceled. This isn't very long, but it's very deep. Listen to Senator Joe Manchin confront. This is kind of a Joe Biden mic drop moment. And he's talking to the Secretary of the Interior. That's who runs these lease sales. And she's the boss there. Listen to this. This Department of Interior just put out a statement. And the statement basically says a proposed program is not a decision to issue specific leases or to authorize any drilling or development. This is from y'all's office. So it looks like you are on this to shut everything down. Did you know you all put this? Uh, I, I am. I am sorry. I, I am sitting in this hearing and and not. My God, somebody, this shuts it down. It shows what your intent is. Yes, we can. We'll get copies for every. Basically, it says Secretary Holland provides updates on onshore, offshore leasing program during the Senate testimony. During testimony before the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources today, Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland confirmed that despite delays in implementation from the previous administration, the Interior Department will release the proposed program, the next step in the five-year offshore energy planning process by June 30, 2022, which is the expiration of the current program. A proposed program is not a decision decision to issue specific leases or to authorize any drilling or development. So they're going... We're going to do the proposal, but it doesn't guarantee they're going to do any leasing at all. Chairman, what I could say is, is I I believe what that is saying is that it's the plan that's coming out. But Uh, I think what you're prefacing it by saying after you're you're acknowledging the plan, you'll have a plan by June 30th. But you went further to say that doesn't mean that you're issuing any specific leases. If you have a plan, you should have. I mean, we've never done this. This is for this is history. We've never done that before, not list, not issue leases if you put a plan out. The plan has always been a long-term five-year plan to lease. I, I, don't, I don't believe that is saying that we're not going to do any of those Let things. I think it is. I think it is. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Is, we'll get copies for everybody. I, 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 I think it is saying that we're putting the plan out, but not saying with what's the intent, in the not to, plan. In all honesty, it, I'm sorry. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I'm not going to. What it said is they're agreeing that they're going to put the plan out there and tell everybody about it, but they're not going to lease anything. Now, that's shocking in a way, but it also aligns with what we're seeing happen in this administration. He made it very clear, Joe Biden did in his campaign, as did everybody else running for office in the last two elections, it made it very clear. If you're an opponent of fossil fuel, you want the government to stop leasing land that is owned by the federal government. By the way, the federal government is owned by the people and represents the people. What do the people think? Do you think people are excited about $5 gasoline, which we're looking at very quickly? When the day Joe Biden was elected, November of 2020, I was paying $1.69 a gallon. And that was a normal price at that time. I paid with a 10 cent a gallon discount over the weekend. I paid $4 for 
for a tank of gas and was tickled to get it for that. This, once again, what you just heard proves without a doubt there is no planning and preparation before things and policies are implemented in this administration. That is a stone-cold fact. Now, what are they all about? What's everybody all about in Congress? Every two years, if you're a member of the United States House of Representatives, you got to go campaign, you've got to raise money, you've got to go to your district and have meetings and convince people there that you're the guy or the girl that is the one that can make things better in D.C., and you can just obliterate the opposing political positions rather than working together to get things done for the good of the nation and the American people. So I gave you this little uh, introduction to bring to you a conversation that blew my mind that happened over the weekend. Do you know who Representative Hakeem Jeffries is? He's a Democrat from New York. And he was on Face the Nation, CBS's flagship news show on the weekend, yesterday. And he was asked, Margaret Brennan was interviewing him, and he was asked about, will the House be able to hold the Democrat seats in the majority in the upcoming midterm elections in November? Brennan asked him, I want to get to you on some of this poll data that you also heard here specifically, young people. Hispanics and half of black Americans say the president has been too slow to react. His ratings on effectiveness are low. Perceptions of competence are low. A majority of Democrats now say the economy is bad. How does your party hold on to the majority? Here's Jeffrey's answer. Quote, I'm very confident that we'll be able to hold on to the majority. President Biden has done a very good job under incredibly difficult circumstances. I understand that the electorate, of course, is going to be unsettled, experiencing COVID fatigue, inflationary pressures, high gas prices, a war in Ukraine, a radical extreme Republican Party that doesn't appear to believe in democracy any longer. And so this is a tough moment for our country. But President Biden has been very decisive in his leadership, beginning with the American Rescue Plan. We rescued the economy. We put shots in arms, money in pockets, kids back in school, laid the foundation for a robust economic recovery that has led to more than 8 million good-paying jobs being created and unemployment at 3.6%. That's a tremendous start. Of course, there's more that needs to be done. First of all, not one of the 8 million good-paying jobs that have found employees in the last year and a half, not one of them is a new job. Not one of them. They're nothing that Biden did except opening up the United States to do business post-COVID. That's number one. Number two, spending money is not going to create a way out of our economic woes. You can't throw money, especially government money, that is not money that has been made. It's money that is owed to pay in the future for giving it out to people and telling the people, we're taking care of you. That's what Hakeem Jeffries 
and Democrats are all about. I want to address one little part of a sentence he said when he was talking about all the things that the American people are facing, the bad things, COVID, inflation, high gas prices, war in Ukraine. He threw this line in. A radical, extreme Republican Party that doesn't appear to believe in democracy any longer. What does that say to you? The Republican Party doesn't believe in democracy any longer. What is happening now that could give anybody, especially a member of the House of Representatives, any inkling of being able to credibly say that about the Republican Party? It's because they've redefined what democracy and government means. And by the way, our government was never intended to be a democracy. Let me tell you, if you don't know this, what a real democracy is. There are a couple of Norwegian companies, uh, countries that for years were pure democracies, and then they converted because it was really tough to maintain. In a true democracy, every issue that comes up regarding the federal government of that nation, everything that's done, every law that is created, every policy, everything has to be approved by the people in the country. How do you do that? Every person gets to vote on every issue. Do you understand the chaos that would be? Every person gets to vote on every issue. We'd be having elections every Tuesday. And do you think we could, with the way our elections have been run of late, that we would be able to get any results? I mean, we're not going to know about Pennsylvania's U.S. Senator primary on the Republican side. They're telling us now till June. <laughs> Can you imagine a weekly election? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What they are defining democracy as is, again, a small group, small in relation to the size of the country. I mean, we got 330-plus million people here. They want a group of 100 or less to control everything in this country. And they want that to be labeled as a democracy when it's exactly opposite. There are examples you can point to around the world where that's already in existence. I mean, look below. Look at South America. Look at Central America. Look at Africa. Look at Europe and Asia. Those governments are everywhere, and they've never one time been sustainable in world history. There is no socialist, any version of socialism that has worked where the people at the top make the decisions. I guess what's, what's, what's more ludicrous to me is to think that there actually are people in America that agree with Hakeem Jeffries saying that. He got elected. Somebody wanted him in. I have no clue who and how. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not today or any day. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Meet Phil Sklar, co-founder of the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum. Our dream is to make Milwaukee, Wisconsin the bobblehead capital of the world. At American Family Insurance, we believe your dreams are the most valuable things you will ever own. So today, we're supporting Phil's dream. If people would like to be a part of the bobblehead dream, we take donations in money or bobbleheads. Every dream deserves a champion. Find yours at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its affiliates. 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53783. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Well, I told you we'd update you on anything coming from the Supreme Court today. They did issue a couple of uh, uh, a couple of things pertaining to law, but uh, Roe v. Wade, any kind of uh, mention or any kind of uh, progress on the Roe v. Wade status is not happening today. And as I said at the top of the show, I'm pretty confident they're not going to do anything quickly. I think they're going to hang on. I don't think we'll hear till the end of June. Why is that? I got to be honest with you. Not just conservatives on the court, but I think every justice of the U.S. Supreme Court is looking at what happened and what has been happening since that draft opinion was released, uh, whoever released it in the court, some clerk or whatever, that draft opinion that said we are going to overturn, we being the court, Roe v. Wade. They have watched what's happened. They've watched what people have tried to do regarding changing the minds of Supreme Court justices. And I believe they're saying you can't intimidate us. We're not going to let you decide this. The country was established, and this particular branch, the judicial branch, was established not to be political. In fact, it's exactly opposite. We're we're prevented by the Constitution of doing anything political. That belongs to the executive and the legislative branches solely. We are here to determine based upon the law. 
that's all we're supposed to do, and that's all we're going to do. And if you don't like it, we can't do anything about it by the way you don't elect us, so we're here, period, until we decide otherwise. That's my opinion. And, of course, we'll keep you posted if any of that changes. Just a few more things we want to talk about. You know what came out over the weekend? And it always does when there's bad news in the government. They wait till after 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon. An audit of the Internal Revenue found that staffers there destroyed 30 million taxpayer documents as they faced a massive backlog. But the tax collection agency said no taxpayers were adversely affected by the destruction. You believe that? (laughs) The Treasury Inspector General made three recommendations for the IRS. This audit was initiated because the IRS's continued inability to process backlogs of paper-filed tax returns contributed to management's decision to destroy. Management decided to destroy an estimated 30 million paper-filed information return documents in March of 2021. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to get away with something? Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) I think we're all still on the hook to the IRS. Hey, listen, you guys have a great Monday. Don't ever get down when you hear stuff here. We're just talking about facts, and everything's not always rosy. But everything is going to be okay. We're going to be okay, including you. And so we'll start with, uh, we'll end this thing with a with a happy song. And uh, it's so darn good. <laughs> Can't stop the feeling. That's what we're after, right? See you tomorrow. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric wavy when I turn it on. Off from my city, off from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone I got that sunshine in my pocket Got that good soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body When it drops, ooh I can't take my eyes off it Moving so phenomenally You more like the way we rock it So don't stop And under the lights when everything goes Nowhere to hide when I'm getting you close When you dance, dance, dance Feel a good, good creeping up on you So just dance, dance, dance Come on All those things I shouldn't do But you dance, dance, dance And ain't nobody leaving soon So keep dancing I can't stop the feeling So just dance, dance, dance I can't stop the feeling So just dance, dance, dance Come on Ooh, it's something magical It's in the air, it's in my blood Rushing on. I don't need no reason, don't be control. I fly so high, no ceiling when I'm in my zone. Cause I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it. Moving so phenomenally. You're more like the way we rock it. So don't stop that. Just